Hi there, and welcome to Plant CEO. In today's episode, I'd like to welcome Simeon van der Molen, the founder and CEO of Moving Mountains. Hi there, Anant. I'm really well, thank you. I'm really good. Great to have you on the show. And, and you're dialing in at the moment from France, right, where you're based? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm down here in, um, in the south of France at the moment. It would be great to hear what your background story is before you sort of created Moving Mountains back in 2015. And it would be great to touch on your first company, which was EcoZone, and what led you to create Moving Mountains. I think going back, going back up to the early days, probably when I was, was young and in school, I was always incredibly, really passionate about the planet and also about animals. Um, I can remember even... Uh, um, at the age of 12, being, you know, being, you know, being horrified by watching whaling when a, an episode came on TV of what was going on. And I looked further at the school library and learned of these horrific massacres that were going on. And even as a young kid, it was, it was really uh, tormenting for me. Uh, also, I can also remember going back further to probably I was about nine years old. I would, it's quite common in the UK to have breakfast cereal with cow's milk on your cereal. And I just hated it. I hated the taste and I would have anything other than cow's milk on my cereal. So I'd have orange juice oh, on wow. my cereal. I know. And then um, I remember being, um, uh, I, I remember being at home and my sister saying to my father, why, is, why does, why does he put orange juice on his cereal? And um, my decker said, oh, it's because he's weird. And I just thought, well, who's, who is more weird? You know, I'm putting a product from nature that has grown on a tree on my cereal, and you're putting a product that's come from a cow's tit on your cereal. So what's, what's more weird? Yeah. Um, but, and that's, that's basically, even as a young kid, how I have viewed the whole of life. And everything that, that we eat and everything that, you know, we, we view things as humans and, and what we're doing to the planet. Um, but also my, my tastes have also always deviated to the nature of, of food. Um, and I think growing up, I was, I, I just continued that. But as you, if, when you're young and you're a teenager, you want to change the world and you want to you want to do this and you want you know, and then as you grow up and you meet people and you're in relationships, you you become one of the many humans on the planet, um, and the dreams that you had when you were a teenager, you can't really change the world unless you become prime minister or, or president of the USA. Um, and only then it's a struggle to make any change in, in, into, into the way people are. So I thought I would um, start companies. I, I started various companies and then along with um, my mum, who shared a similar passion to me, I started EcoZone. And the, the whole mission behind EcoZone was to create a brand, a company where everything that company sold would be much better or let's say less damaging for the environment as I think everything we buy is damaging the environment somehow. Um, it all ends up as waste but everything was to be as least damaging as possible 
ecological detergents. They had to, they were one of the very first that were actually vegan. So they did not contain any tallow, which is rendered beef fat, um, as uh, fabric conditioners did back then. They didn't contain any animal ingredients. And importantly, they weren't tested on animals. Um, and I mean, that was also something I was very, very passionate about. And, you know, along the same time, I've always been uh, interested in the spiritual side of things. So I'm much more interested in, in Eastern religion, in, uh, in, in, in things like um, yoga and meditation. And that all combined into EcoZone. So it was really very much what I'm about is what I made EcoZone into. Um, and it turned out to be very slowly a very successful company that grew organically, which is without the assistance of, of banks, because I didn't trust them. I still don't. Um, and, um, you know, I think we were certainly well before our time back in the late 90s, early, early 2000s. We were, um, you know, I, I had a vision of of what I wanted it to be and you know it's it's certainly become uh, that vision now and is a very successful company uh, across Europe but it wasn't it wasn't making the change that I wanted to I wanted to make so uh, about where are we now 2001 so probably wow about five six years ago um, I wanted to start another company. I've always wanted to, um, but it was what, what what can I do that can really make a difference? Um, and I had always been very interested in what was going on in Belgium with a company called Mosa Meat that was um, working with cellular agriculture. Um, but it was well beyond my level of expertise. Um, I'm, was, I'm not a biologist that would know how to, to, to grow meat in a lab, but it was something that was very interesting. And then I had heard that there was uh, another company in, in the US that was looking at developing meat replica um, from plants. There was no product, but it had raised a lot of money and was getting a bit of excitement. and. You know, and I thought, well, if I can't do, you know, cellular agriculture, then I, I want to do something with plants. And, you know, again, that's going back to my roots of nature. And I knew, that, and, and I think what was inspiring for a lot of people, I knew nothing about the food industry, but I decided to go and start a food company. Um, maybe slightly different from Eco. I already had the resource generated from EcoZone um, and that was able to provide all the funding and everything to start moving mountains and get moving mountains going. Yeah. Who ended up buying EcoZone and what sort of exit do you have from that business? I haven't actually sold EcoZone. Oh, okay. Um, it, is, it is still going. Um, uh, I still do. I still do own it. It's it's doing very well in um, in the in the UK. Um, I've uh, funded moving mountains all myself. Um, 
I chose, I have at the time of starting Moving Mountains, we were inundated with offers. When you start um, a, a company and you go out and you, and you have a product or you don't have a product, um, if, you're, if you're new to the, the, the company game, the startup game, beware, there will be in, in investors, VCs, private equity funds that will want 50% of your company um, for, and they will pump, they will pay millions for it, but they will want 50%. And I've always found that even though some of these companies pretend they are mission aligned, they're perhaps not really because they, they have a purpose. And, you know, these funds set up um, with other investors' money in order to get a return on that money to give back to their investors to become a much bigger fund. So their motives were never really in line with mine, even though I've come across some really good people um, in, uh, who are really passionate in the industry and have plenty of money and do invest. Um, the majority, there's, you would not believe, we are contacted usually, well, I'm contacted on LinkedIn weekly, not more by these people that just want to get involved and get it and get invested but I decided that earlier on that I, I'm, I'm fully able to fund moving mountains um, by myself and keep the company private um, well it wouldn't be it's not public but it keep the company um, owned by, by by myself and that way I can control um, everything that is going on and don't have to answer to yeah. investors that just want to see spreadsheets all the time and how the company is performing and it's performing really well. And I think steering the company through the crisis, moving mountains through, through the crisis, I think it probably was the best thing. The original plan for, for moving mountains is that I have friends that have restaurants and I had said to them, why don't you put any vegetarian, vegan, or plant-based offerings on your menu other than salads? And this is going back, this is going back to 2015, which, you could, which was different back then, because when I went to the supermarkets, then all you could get was corn and Linda McCartney. And these chefs said to me, and they're very proud of their menu. I mean, they are they spend a lot of time creating their dishes and creating different flavors. And I didn't really understand until they said to me, there is no way that I'm going to put anything by corn or Linda McCartney on my menu. It is never going to happen. And they said, if you make us a burger, which is juicy, tasty, replicates a real burger, we look at it and we consider it. Um, and then when it, then I realized if we could if we could do this, then the restaurant industry is is huge. And you know, we could ultimately get into some of the top restaurants which do really, really good volume. Mm. And we thought, okay, we were approached, of course, in the very beginning, once we had launched our burger by by supermarkets. I think the plan was already, I had already realized from my, from my experience of dealing with retailers before, from my experience of, of, of the past, I've had a few companies, when there's a new wave, a new craze that happens, like what swept America with Beyond and Impossible, 
the supermarkets want in on it. They, they don't necessarily want the leading product or their product. They want a product in their own brand and they want their own range. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like a uh, proof point for them, isn't it? Once, once the restaurants and uh, consumers start creating that demand from, yeah. their, from food service, they, they definitely see it as an opportunity. They, they do, and it's, and it's different. So in the UK, I think it, it's roughly about 50-50, 50% private label, 50% brands. In America, it's different. They're much more supportive of brands. They stock a lot more brands. They have a lot less supermarket-owned label. And that's certainly much, it's certainly the US model is much certainly one I prefer. It supports the entrepreneur because that they are taking products from the entrepreneur where the UK model, which is nowhere near as bad as the Dutch model, which is 99% supermarket private label. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, oh, it's dreadful. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they, they are basically cheating the entrepreneur. They are copying the product um, and putting it in their own brand. Um, and I knew from, from early on um, that's what would happen in the UK. We would be up against not, not Beyond and, and the others because we're very supportive of them. They're brands like us. They want, they, they want to find their way in the world just like we do. I knew the biggest problem would be the supermarket-owned brands and potentially the big legacy companies that would come in later on wanting a big slice of this pie. And that means the big multinationals. So with food service, you ultimately, if you could get your burger or any product like we've got onto the menu of Hard Rock, which is what we achieved and have it named Moving Mountains Burger on Hard Rock. For me, that means more than, than getting into the biggest supermarket in the land because you've got the stamp of authority from Hard Rock. You know, Hard Rock is the authority on great tasting burgers. And if they like your burger and the chefs like your burger and they cook it amazingly well, then you've actually achieved something. You know? Yeah, also like last year was quite a difficult year for the restaurant industry, but you did manage to refocus and, and win more retail listings do you think that time helped with also you having more control of the business in order to do that and create your own strategy around that and, and now have you started to see the restaurant starting to bounce back as well I thought for me the strength of, of the company by having a main decision maker and not a board of 12 people all fumbling and making over the decision was, was its strength at that time. When the crisis hit, I was able to react really quickly, analyze the situation and say, that's it. This could be the end. Well, back then everyone thought it could be the end of the world, we were led to believe. But it could be the end of the restaurant industry as we know it. So we're gonna have, you know, so I, I, you know, I said to my staff, I can see everything, everything I've built collapsing around me. We have no alternative to contact the supermarkets that had contacted us saying if you ever want to launch in retail let us know so within i think three to six months we were in sainsbury's ocado and waitrose 
which were the supermarkets more aligned with our quality of product, which is restaurant grade quality. We were, um, we, we got into those um, main, main restaurants and, you know, the levels that they do are good. The, the volumes they do are good. We tend to do even better in food service. You get your burger onto the menu of one of the biggest pub chains in the country that's got 2,000 uh, pubs and they all serve your burger, just your burger, uh, and, and no one else's, then the volumes they can do, I mean, it's containers and containers and containers. What's that sort of in comparison then, like in sort of real numbers? If you're looking at, a, I don't know, a month or uh, compared to, you know, a retailer, a large chain retailer, we don't actually supply restaurants ourselves, so we would supply the big food distributors. Got it. Okay. Um, so the big distributors would then send out to these restaurants. We don't know their individual volume. We know what the food distributors um, buy from us. But you know, when uh, everything reopened again, what I would say is is the the numbers. For restaurant to retail, it's probably somewhere about 2.53 to 1, 1 being the, the, the retail. I mean, retail's picking up the more people that are buying our products, and our numbers are, numbers are going up. But um, we hit it off really big time. In um, we, we started there, um, and that's where we, we, we hit it off big time, which is in restaurants and food service. And that will always be our our core market, who we are, who we are law to. A lot of people eat out, you know, a lot of people want to go out again. So when we saw everything kick off again, uh, when everything was reopened, and we hope this time everything stays open, uh, yeah, we certainly saw volumes, volumes come back. But I've been down this road before. Um, I've seen everything open and seen everything close. Uh, I think, you know, we would like to see everything remain open. I want to wait a little bit more and see you know, everyone thinks that, you know, maybe the pandemic has, has turned a corner. Let's wait. I just want to be a bit more cautious and wait and see. Um, but we are continuing our retail strategy. So the goal from here will be to, to manage a business that is more 50-50, 50 on retail, 50 on food service. So we're covered for any eventuality. Um, but over this time, we've continued to work on uh, MPD. Uh, we always are working on MPD. It's uh, we've got many developments uh, we're looking at the whole time, but we use the period to to work on MPD. It's been very, it's been a tough time, but it's been a tough time for everyone. Everyone has had slower MPD. Everybody has had slower rollout of new products because the focus has just been elsewhere. Yeah. Um, been, but it's been like that for, for, for everyone. I would definitely say it slowed down our growth. We were certainly probably moving mountains was hit more than maybe our competitors that were purely based on retail. They've probably had a good time when they're just purely looking at retail. Yeah. But, you know, it was, it was, it, it was how I wanted to, to drive moving mountains, not just in the UK, but throughout the whole of Europe where we are as well. Yeah. Tell me where else you are. Which are the other main markets and chains that you're with? So the biggest, um, the biggest markets we're in, and I think the ones that do well, are the 
colder parts of Europe, I shall say, not certainly where I am at the moment, but the, the Scandinavian regions, Netherlands, Benelux onwards, Germany, Austria. Why, why do you think that is? I think they're more open to trends. They're more, they're more willing to, to, to try things. And um, where in, in France and Italy, Spain, interestingly, we actually do quite well, but France and Italy, I mean, it's really tough. Yeah. Um, so certainly in France to get people to change their, their eating habits is hard. I mean, we're seeing it from a very young base but it's, you know, you know, you're talking, you know, the whole uh, industry of, of France is on agriculture. It is based on farming. It is based on animal agriculture, other than uh, what else to do, fashion. And it's fashion and food, basically, that runs this country. It's very, very difficult. And, you know, the people are, people are set in their ways, but... Yeah. You know, we're hoping they're behind and they are going to catch up. And, you know, my vision would be to certainly reduce the amount of, of meat consumption and animal suffering and, you know, also human suffering from eating animal products and the human suffering from people working in the animal agriculture industry. Yeah, and let's touch on the, the human aspects, because uh, I think I read that you diagnosed with high cholesterol when you decided to switch your diet. Is that, is that right? Yes, ultimately. I think I've always been, from a teenager, drifting between vegetarian veganism and eating what I want, um, or whatever is around at that time. And it, was, and it was always very much dependent on who I was with socially at that time, because for a guy to be vegetarian back in the 90s, what's wrong with you Simeon why are you vegetarian you need to eat properly you know so I mean it, it depends who you're with that that time what you're doing but I was always in and out of vegetarianism and um and 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 veganism and I think um back then there was very little choice than there was now um but at the time um I had um let's say not such a, a healthy diet. I had gone off the rails and um, I just happened to have um, a checkup at the doctor. I went for something completely different and he said, oh, it's been a, it's been a while since we've taken bloods from you. Let's do a blood test. And it came back with a, a high cholesterol reading. And I can't remember, it was either, I've had so many since, but it was 6.3 or something. So basically anything over five is bad. And you need you need to do something about it. Six point or six point eight. I, I really can't remember, but it wasn't good. And he said, I went into the to the doctors, and he said, look, this is. He said, basically, you've got to cut your cholesterol. Now, you can do that. You've got to look at your diet. He said, cut out meat, uh, cut out eggs, very high in cholesterol. I have maximum two a week, but note that eggs are in everything. Um, but eat fish is what he said, um, or, or lean meats, do more exercise. Um, and if you don't do that, you're going to end up on statins for the rest of your life. And that's actually true because I have a friend of mine who does have very high cholesterol, 
still wants to go and eat whatever he likes, burgers and steaks and all this stuff, and is on statins to reduce his cholesterol, which doesn't make sense to me, but he wants to enjoy life and he considers eating those types of foods, enjoying life, but that's fine, everyone's different. Um, so I actually wanted to do something about my diet and it was then I thought, oh, right, okay, back on vegetarianism, veganism. So I said, right, this time I'm gonna go be a vegan again. Uh, and I went to the supermarket and I bought all these different products that were available at that time, 2015, that were available in the supermarket. And you can imagine what there was there. I mean, the burgers were, they just looked like squashed falafels. Um, nothing wrong with a falafel, but it wasn't what you want from a burger. You don't want to be, when you're having a barbecue and you're having all your mates around, you don't want to be the one. Everyone is having a nice juicy red burger that smells amazing on the barbecue and you're the one with a dried up bean burger. Oh, this one's Simeon's, I can tell. Um, and again, combined with what I heard was going on with cellular agriculture, what I heard was going on in the US, I thought, look, if these burgers aren't going to happen anytime soon, I'm going to create my own. And, and I did. I, um, not knowing anything about the food industry, I thought, right, what's the first thing to do? Hire food consultants, food technicians, um, learn from everybody you can. And fortunately, I had the money to pay all of these people and we brought them on board and we kept at it. And at it a year later, um, we actually, I knew a whole lot more about what was going on and how to make these products. Um, though we weren't any further with a product. Um, then I met another uh, formulation specialist. We developed a product. Um, I had got, I'd hired another food consultant um, and we discussed a product and we spoke to companies that were making similar products and we got one on board um, who I got on well, the owners I got on very well with. I told them what I wanted to do. They believed in me. They were, un they were uh, interested that I had already started a, a company in the detergent industry and wanted to do something new and, and they believed in me and uh, we, we got together and we said, right, let's improve on what you've got and let's launch it. And that was the most important thing to do. We, we developed uh, a burger and we launched it. And we were the first in, uh, in Europe to launch a plant-based bleeding burger, which is the new, it was at that time called the new rage. We never called it that, a journalist called it that because journalists in the US were calling them that. But we, at the time it was beetroot, it's various different ingredients now, but at the time it was beetroot juice to make the burger bleed. Um, because that's what you wanted, you know, people, if you want to transition from carnivorism to veganism, you want food that ultimately tastes and looks like what you're already eating. Yeah. Um, if you're already a vegan, well, then you might not want food that is is bloody and looks like reminds you of those meat days. But the opportunity really is in the majority of the population that want to transition over or want to reduce the meat 
um, as opposed to those who, who are already following a vegan diet. Yeah. How are you recreating when you have meats, you have the fats or the lipids? How are you getting that sort of oil and fats into your products? What are you using? Well, back then, I mean, it was a simple process of using coconut oil and, and various different emulsions. Now it is, it's moved on in the last four or five years. It's a lot more technical. Um, and that is thanks to, you know, bigger companies coming on, new ideas, and the, um, the bar has been raised. So it's not just simply something like putting coconut oil or sunflower oil into, into the product and then you've got a juicy burger. You've actually got to retain it in there. So there are various technical uh, ways of uh, creating the, the, the juiciness. And, you know, we're just talking about the burger. We've got, yeah. we, then, we then created a, a load of different, we followed up with a hot dog and meatballs and mints. Um, there are new ways now of retaining uh, fats. Um, it's it's a lot more it's a lot more complicated. But methylcellulose plays um, a big part in retaining not methylcellulose by itself, uh, but methylcellulose in, in combination with many other ingredients. Yeah, creating a component to to go into our products is yeah. Is, 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 the secret now and the core base that you're using to create it is using mushrooms some types of mushrooms to give it that unique flavor well i wanted to i mean it's a, mushrooms i've always liked mushrooms because they're quite they're quite meaty uh you know in yeah. a way and they're, they're fibers they're they're a little bit meaty and we wanted to create a product which was not considered to be as Frankenstein as some of the products coming out from elsewhere in the world. So we wanted to have a high quantity of, uh, of mushroom in the product and we have that in the burger. And, you know, they've been shown to be very beneficial for human health. So it was important to put that in the burger early on. And we've still made, we still have that in the burger, but when you're making a beef burger, I mean, it's, and it's probably certainly an easier product to make than the chicken breast. Um, or let's say a, a T-bone steak, because it's a processed product. So a processed product is much easier to replicate. But an actual beef burger can be made up of various different cuts of beef from 30 different animals in one, in one beef burger, which is why you get a different appearance of, of different pieces within, within the burger. So from early on, we realized we need to use pea, little bit of soy, a little bit of wheat, mushroom, to get this variation of, of, of textures um, uh, going, going on in the burger. Um, but yeah, I mean, processed products are much easier to recreate than actual slabs of, of slabs of meat. Yeah. But yeah, it was important to use mushrooms. Yeah. And so, you, yeah, you've mentioned you've, you've got many other product ranges, but you've also recently launch your plant-based fish fingers was that partly that urgency to create that was also due to some documentaries like seaspiracy or did you already have that in the pipe i take it you've seen that film oh yeah i've i've, I've seen seaspiracy i think the fish fingers probably launched probably a month before the seaspiracy came out um it was certainly in the pipeline we have and i'm sure other companies like us have various different products in the pipeline all the time. 
And at the time, we were focusing on a different product and it wasn't working. And I actually thought, well, that looks more like fish. And then we started to drift off in a fish direction um, with, this, with this particular product. And that's sometimes how we've made our best products. Um, you know, and it's being flexible enough to actually think, well, hold on, this product's going in a different direction. I think it looks like this meat. Um, and fish was always, it was always something I wanted to do because no one had done it really well and I wanted to be the first to do it really well. And I wanted, you know, fish fingers are probably the most eaten fish in the UK. Um, and people at the time, everything was on cows and how damaging they are. And people were ignoring the oceans. And it is horrific what's going out there with overfishing. And it's not new. This has been going on for tens and tens of years with these dredges just dredging the whole of the seabed and wiping out thousands of different fish populations. I mean, it's... It really, it, it's not sustainable anymore, but it's not sustainable having eight billion, nine people, billion, billion people on the planet. That's the real issue. There's too many people eating all the time. Uh, but ultimately, if everyone wants to eat fish, there'll be a point when there won't be any fish left in the sea. And we have to have foods that remind us of those days when we did used to eat fish. Now, either we get our fish from fish farms in the Far East, um, because there won't be any left in the sea. But what, what stuns me more than anything is that countries, governments and people treat the oceans as a dumping ground. They dump toxic chemicals and sludge and sewage in the oceans and rivers, and then eat the fish that come from these oceans and rivers. It really is absolutely beyond me. And it was always important for us to launch fish. And it just so happened that, you know, Seaspiracy came out after. We had only just launched, so we didn't have widespread distribution. But it came out, it came out afterwards. The messaging at the moment, I mean, I love what they do. I love those guys. What they did, bringing Cowspiracy to the world and making it available so that people can change. And I've heard of whole households going vegan after watching cowspiracy i mean it really is i mean what they what they've done is brilliant um anything that's been launched in the age of corona i just think may have not as had as much impact as it should have done now we've launched meatballs which are probably one of our best products it's certainly my favorite product that moving mountains has launched our meatballs they are sensational um, but they launched when Corona hit and it just seemed that everyone's attentions was, was elsewhere. Um, so we weren't able to get any traction. Of course, the restaurants were closed. We weren't, you know, the, the supermarkets were focused on many different things. Um, it was, uh, you know, so I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased it's launched. I just, I, I hope it continues to remain a success and I hope it gets a second wave and they continue to keep the publicity on it because it is a, it is a crisis. Um, our oceans can't be ignored. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, our sea creatures, our friends from the sea are just being decimated. And what goes on in, uh, with the dolphins and the shark fins, I mean, it's all totally unnecessary 
the whole thing, this shark fin soup. I mean, what is the point of it? Killing a billion, billion and a half sharks a year just to take their fins. I mean, I just, I just don't understand it personally. It really is, it really is bizarre. Yeah, and it's it's you know something that highlighted in in the documentary is, it, well, yeah. is that it doesn't have any nutritional value whatsoever, uh, and it's culturally something that they've 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 been demanding, and I think uh, it does need to change. And uh, I'm I'm glad that you launched the the fish fingers. Um, in terms of the product itself, is it based on like tofu? Because I know my my chippy up the road. <laughs> Has recently, um, he's been experimenting with, uh, you know, he, d- he does vegan chips, for example, surprise it differently from the chips, uh, from the fish. Oh. And, um, and even if, um, I think he also does it for people who are gluten intolerant. But he's, he's recently launched vegan fish, but it's basically tofu wrapped in a nori leaf to give it that sort of flavour. of. of yeah. So what, what's, how have you made your product? Well, different from that. I mean, tofu wouldn't have been. Yeah. We, we wouldn't have moved any mountains making it from tofu. Um, tofu's been around uh, 6,000 years, was it? You know, mon- monks in, in Tibet have been making tofu um, for, since, since then. Um, I had tried those products, as you, as you suggest, and yeah, they... They didn't do anything for me. It was, it was much more scientific. We getting getting the flavour right took us, I just think, twelve months by itself just to get the flavour right, which actually had to have a a fish flavour. And fishes, and fishes are different flavour than smell than what people actually think. Um, it is. It was certainly harder to get right than than the the beef flavor which is grilled smoke beef notes um, you've, you've actually got to work you know a lot of people identify fish but it's actually a smell of off fish that people are identifying when they think they smell fish um, so we had to we had to work with different sensory analysts to to get the fish flavor correct um, but we chose to use a brand new product um, for the fish finger um, it was a product that had recently been uh, developed by one of our partners and um, it was a, a white soy um, that is made in Spain. It's very important that any soy that we use is from, let's call it sustainable sources. Now whether, you know, we've done as much research as we can, I mean what is a sustainable source of soy? You know, the Amazon is being destroyed, although the majority of the Amazon is being destroyed to grow soy, to feed the cattle in, in right. Brazil, uh, because Brazil is exporting an awful lot of beef now to China. You know, again, it's such an old-fashioned system that the only way that country can make money is to grow more cattle and export it to China. Is there nothing else they can do, technologically wise, to develop the company's GDP than just grow more cows? You know, uh, it's it's just beyond me. So it's still a really great product for companies like ours to use because it has that bite. It is more, you can manipulate it more into different flakes, into different textures. Um, pea is terrific. It's, it's still quite soft. I mean, using wet extrusion on pea is, 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 is great. You can do some still good things with it. 
Um, there's wheat and there's various new proteins that have come available, sunflower seed. Um, always, the road always leads back to soy when you're looking at replicating any type of meat. So um, we looked at this, this soy and the way that it could, it could lay looked almost fish-like. Um, and the most interesting thing is it was an actual white soy where, you know, a lot of soy can be yellow. Pea in itself is yellow. You can see a lot of these burgers that are made from pea. They have a very yellow poo to them because pea is very yellow. So when you're making fish, it's very important the colour is spot on because there's nothing worse than when you're buying vegan fish and it's yellow. You know, it must be white. So it was, because that is how it's been promoted to us. When we look at fish fingers from the leading brands in the UK, they're white, you know, and even on the outside of the packet, it has been Photoshopped to look even whiter than it really is. Hold on. I, I assume that they have, it has been Photoshopped to look <laughs> whiter than it already is. Yeah. Um, but they do, they look a brilliant white. It's like a toothpaste advert. Um, so that was, that was key for us. We need to have it looking as, as white as possible. And there's certain ingredients that previously were allowed in, um, in, in the EU to, to be used to make your product uh, whiter, though thankfully these have been banned. So we had to get it white as naturally as possible. Um, and soy at the moment is still um, leading the way in terms of price. It's very competitive per kilo, but what people, don't understand is there are various different types of soy in the market. You know, you can buy soy for one euro a kilo, and I wouldn't like to know where it's come from, or you can buy it for six euros, seven euros a kilo, um, which is a higher quality, more sustainable, um, European. Uh, we tend to go for the more, more certainly the more expensive variant of soy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can, you can imagine where, where um, certain brands or supermarkets, I should say, want to hit a price point with their vegan range, they're going to go straight to the bottom because it's important for them to get a very low cost point. Now, if they're launching a plant-based range and they're going straight to the bottom and buying soy out of Brazil or somewhere, or the US or GMO soy or what have you, or Chinese soy, um, then that's not really doing anything for the in environment. You know, they're just moving from one place to another place. You know, we we need to um, you know we, we need to we need to start a process where if we're going to be using soy, it needs to be a much more sustainable use um, of soy, and it needs to be from from countries that are not hell bent on destroying their rainforests. Yeah, and have you been thinking about creating chicken alternative products like recently both? Beyond Me and Impossible have also done? We, we're so much focused on ourselves. I don't really notice what Beyond and Impossible are really doing. If something appears on my Instagram feed, then maybe um, I, pay, I pay attention to it. They have, well, Beyond is certainly um, is, is, is public and is under a lot of pressure to develop new items all the time and, and under pressure for better results, oh God, it must, it must be tough. And the same with Impossible, they've got so many investors. 
uh, they've got to perform and oh dear, perform the whole time and launch something new. But I think probably we're different. Um, um, so I, I don't envy them, um, but we're different in the fact that we're, we're so private that we can launch when we want and do what we want and how we want. And um, we are looking at all types of products. So we're looking at developing a range of, of products at Moving Mountains that will at one time replicate every different type of meat you could buy that would be from an animal protein source. So yes, of course, we've been, I've, I've been, I've been looking at, at white poultry meat for, for some time or so, darker poultry meat for some time. Um, it has to be, it has to be right. It has to be good for us. It has to move mountains. Um, you know, it has to make people think, wow, this is a good alternative. This tastes amazing. And if you haven't tried our fish fingers, I mean, please do try them. Maybe we can, we can certainly have some sense over to you. Um, but, you know, when you first taste it, that is when you get the customer. They cook the fish finger or they buy it in a restaurant. They taste it and they go, wow, this really tastes like fish. And you've got that one time to make that impression on the customer. And it really is that first impression that counts and builds, wow, this company really does want to move mountains. Yeah. And, that's what we, and that's what we want to do with any other further product that we're looking at doing. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be happy to try it. I mean, we're, we're fans of your burger, especially my older daughter. She, she normally doesn't like burgers, but she definitely likes yours as well. So, and yeah, I mean, with me, because I've never actually had fish, right? Uh, so it, it might be difficult for me to know the difference, but obviously, you know, vegetable fingers that you would have, for example, I've tried those, but I, I could probably imagine <laughs> that it would be great. But so, but yeah, happy to try it. And um, I'm glad you're working on other types of meat because, you know, there's, it will come in waves, won't it? Like, okay, beef, chicken, fish. Okay, what about lamb, for example? What about um, all the other creatures that we need to save um, on, on this planet? So it's great that you're looking at the other types as well. Yeah, we're not, I'm certainly not going to stop. Um, I'm, I, I feel, you know, my, my mission is to create a range of, of great tasting, great tasting products that will help or assist those that are looking to transition or replace some foods in their diet with ours is, is the goal, really. And I've always said, if somebody is eating five beef burgers a week, if they were just to eat two of our burgers and then three beef burgers a week, if everybody did that, that would make such a huge difference huge to the difference. planet. Yeah. Because to get people to go completely, to follow a really strict vegan diet is just way too much to ask, even though yeah. I do, you know. It is, it is way too much because people will do it for a week and then they swap back to going fully carnivore and go, oh, I'm not interested in that. But if they do it in baby steps, if they do it slightly and just swap in, you know, life is to be enjoyed. You know, we only have a very short time on this planet. And why we're here sometimes baffles me because we end up, humans seem to be destroying the planet. But we only have a very short time. So we must do on this planet what makes us happy, um, and, and what we enjoy, the activities that we enjoy, and also the foods that we enjoy. But we also have to consider the planet and, and our 
and the animals that we share this planet with. So I, I just ask people, look, please just don't be selfish. Please enjoy yourself, but please consider others and do what you can for others. And by switching over to eating some of our fish fingers instead of regular fish fingers, you're going to be doing an incredible amount of difference to the planet. Because if yeah. we do have 9 billion people all being selfish, wanting to eat everything they want, shark fins, beef burgers and everything, there's going to be nothing left and eventually there will be no planet, which is why we've probably started going into space and looking at other, other planets in space. But there, there will be no planet left for us. I mean, I'm, talking, I'm not talking next year, I'm talking decades uh, ahead centuries maybe but the, you know if we can if we continue to overpopulate this planet yeah there'd, there'd be there'd yeah. be nothing left would you say your your core audience is therefore um target audience of customers are the flexitarians and if so what sort of marketing messaging uh, really resonates with them tasty food would resonate with them making food look good making food porn i think is also known as you know it's got to look great you know when we developed the hot dog it had to look and had to have a skin identical to what the uk europe considers a hot dog to look like which is otherwise known as a frankfurter or previously known to others as pork scraps from the floor blended in and mixed in to look like a sausage. And um, I'm, I'm guilty, I used to, to buy those maybe 20 years ago. I used to like going to the cinema, buying a hot dog with loads of ketchup and eat it watching a movie and then feel ill afterwards, having a stomachache. Um, but it had to look like the real product. It had to smell like the real product, it has to taste like the real product. Otherwise, you're not going to get people to transition. I have tried so many other hot dogs on the market, plant-based vegan hot dogs. I know my kids, they, they like the fries ones. Have you tried those? Yes, I have. What's your opinion? Don't come close to ours. I love that company. I yeah. love everything they've done. I think they've recently sold. They have they, sold, yeah, to, to Live Kindly Collective. Yeah. They don't come... I, I couldn't I couldn't finish them. I mean, the thing is, is when you first go vegan and you try these ones and you think, oh, yeah, they're OK. But when someone else comes in and raises the bar, you just think, wow, this is a hot dog. So previously I had friends that would eat the, the fries one or they would yeah, eat yeah. the tofu one and they would go, wow, this is the best hot dog until someone raises the bar even higher. Um, and that's what we're here to do. Um, I mean, I love that company they have been one of the front runners yeah, um, I think yeah. they originated from South Africa um, yeah, yeah. they were one of certainly one of the pioneers but that was using methods and technology from whenever they started in the 90s you know um, which is nowhere near what it is now with the the scientists that we're able to access to work um, and give us ideas and feedback on our products. They've trained the scientists, but they, you know, we, we don't have a lab culture, you know, it's, you know, they are food technicians and it's all about tasting food. But 
it's just it's just the world apart now um and you know from the feedback we've received we've won great taste awards on the hot dog the sausage burger um and um and and another product and that is because it's so important for us to have this this great tasting product that everyone thinks is, is great but our hot dog the way it is made the way it is processed, because um, unfortunately it is a processed product, um, is almost identical to how you would make a pork chicken or beef hot dog. The texture and everything is, is uh, spot on. You yeah. can't just make a sausage and call it a hot dog. But, um, you know, there's, there's a big market out there in the world. You know, there's a product for everyone. Um, and you know everyone food is food is subjective some people like going for an indian other people like going for chinese you know it's food is subjective but we want to get something that is so close to the original that everyone agrees that our products are amazing yeah there was a bbc documentary called what are we feeding our kids and, and it was looking at like ultra processed foods and just how our kids especially here in the UK are just, you know, spiraling because they're just on very unhealthy fast food diets. What's your opinion on that? And also I'm definitely in favor of more whole food, plant-based diets for sure. And even trying to limit as much as possible the processed foods. What's your opinion with processed foods in general, processed foods with plant-based processed foods and also whole foods, plant-based? Look, there's, there's no doubt whatsoever that the best diet probably for human health is a plant-based green diet of fresh fruit, vegetables, nuts and seeds and, doing a, and blending your own smoothie every day. If you've got, if you've got a, a garden big enough to grow your own vegetables, to grow your own cow, if you've got a greenhouse to grow your own fruits and vegetables, and then you blend them all, or then you cook them all in a roast or something, that is going to be probably the best and healthiest way that you can live off your own land. Because you know what pesticides you've used on it. You know the soil you're using. You're knowing everything that is going into that. And that is... Um, you know, having a, a diet of kale and spinach, you know, we just need to go back to the cartoon characters of this character that would eat spinach to get strong. Um, <laughs> and then his friend ate burgers and got fat. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> however, everything in moderation. Food is to be enjoyed. Not everyone wants to eat spinach and kale for breakfast. I used to. Sometimes you get you get fed up with it. You need to have these treats right. now and again. And I've always said to people, you know, oh, people go, well, your burger and your hot dog, it's not exactly healthy food, is it? But, well, it's not, it's, does, you know, I haven't developed these products for people to eat three times a day. You know, these are to replace not the spinach and the kale from your diet. These are to replace the beef burger from your diet. Totally, yeah. Which is also equally as processed. And the ingredients in, the, in a beef burger, you know, some analysis that has been done in the beef burger, there are a hundred different ingredients compared to ours, which is about 13, 14 different ingredients. Um, 
you know, when on a Friday after work, you want to go down to the pub and you want to have a pint, you know, you don't want to sit at the bar munching on a bag of carrots having your pint. You want something that, you know, is tasty. You want a burger, you want a hot dog, you want some crisps, you want some fries. You know, it's like on a, when I was young and used to go out to, to, to nightclubs, you'd come out of the nightclub, oh, I fancy going to the chippy. As you said, you like to go to the, to the chippy. You like to have these treats. And uh, these are, you know, Moving Mountains products are designed not to be eaten every day. You eat them in moderation. You know, our meatballs one, one week, maybe the burger, the burger the next. And that goes for all of, all of these companies. It is all processed. I believe anything that you have probably not grown yourself is probably, you know, is processed in, in one way or another. You don't know really where it's come from. You know, sometimes you want to buy some blueberries or blackberries. They're flown over from the Maldives or somewhere. I mean, they've obviously been gone through some type of treatment, you know. Um, do they have a health pass in order to get over here in the UK? Now, not the Corona health pass, but what type of, what type of they must have been fumigated, what insects have they got on them? Um, but yeah, that's, that's the ultimate way to live. What do I like, what do I think about processed meats is, I, I, I think the World Health Organization has classed them as carcinogens. Yeah. along with um, smoking, cigarette smoke, and um, asbestos. And I think that was bacon, red meats. Um, they are so processed uh, that they are listed as a, as, as a carcinogen. So I actually think, and going from what the World Health Organization say, they're probably quite dangerous, um, quite dangerous to eat. Um, but again, in... in in, again, it's all about in moderation. You know, if you eat these things every day, then I think you need to have a look at your diet. Um, but if we can all reduce our impact um, and switch over to a, to a plant-based diet, then I think that's better for everyone and the whole planet. You know, we are there to get people to switch up. We, we, we exist to get people to switch from eating pork hot dogs to plant-based hot dogs. Um, yeah. In combination uh, with a balanced diet. There was a recent article in The Guardian that says eating processed meat raises risk of heart disease by a fifth. And that was research coming out of Oxford University. As well as being carcinogenic, you've also got a higher risk of heart disease as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that people should be aware of and it should be quite clear. And my opinion is that maybe they need to start carrying warning labels on, on these meat products like cigarettes do. Yes. Yes. That would, yeah. And, and, that, and that one day will, will come. I mean, it happened on cigarettes. I mean, if you, if you go back, what, to the, the 50s or 60s, people were smoking on aeroplanes. Um, it's, I mean, that's just insane. Why would, why would people, why, why should people smoke on an aeroplane? It would always be at the back. And then you had smoking cabins on trains. I mean, it was just bizarre. So who knows, going into the future, I would agree. Um, there, should be, there should be health warnings on these things. The problem, the problem is these processed foods are inherently known as being cheap. 
you know, you can buy a packet of ham, 20, 30 slices for a pound, you know, um, and people who are um, on, a, on, on a budget, you know, they, they are the ones that are going to, um, to, to buy these products and end up unfortunately having the, the poor health consequences of these, these products. Yeah, I think the other thing then is we definitely need government action, don't we? We need governments, instead of giving the meat and dairy industry subsidies to try and promote healthier eating and give subsidies to the healthier products and to help make it more affordable and if they they do, then we won't have such a knock-on effect in our health service as well, right? So everything leads to that as well. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is they've been campaigning for for years. When you're at the the checkout till um, in a in a supermarket, and I think I have seen it change among some supermarkets in the UK, but they would always confectionery. So when you're waiting to put your food on the trolley. There's chocolates and sweets and the kids are going, oh, mum, can I have this? Or dad, I want that. And, you know, it's the worst thing ever. But now I have noticed that some supermarkets are putting more things like nut bars or or, or, or things there. You know, yeah, they're actually changing it next year. Those items won't be um, placed outside of their designated aisle area. So to have less impact of people just picking up at the end of the aisles or by the checkout. So that change is definitely happening in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's terrific. And I, you know, it is, it is different what I've seen among, among countries. I have, you know, um, Moving Mountains has an office in London. We have our facility um, in, in the Netherlands as, as well. I spend a, an awful lot of time in, in France and in, and in Europe. And I do notice among different cultures in the Netherlands, it is very much like the UK. Everything is focused on price, everyday low price. Um, and it must be cheap, regardless of the quality, it's got to be cheap. Um, and it's very much like that in Germany as well. The food must be astronomically cheap. They will pay a lot more money for other things like cars in Germany. But when it comes to food, no, we're not paying much for food, which I think is, is strange where in France, everything is a bit more expensive and you do get a big variation of quality. Um, and you, you can get, you know, certainly better quality. They do certainly like to be, I think probably countries like France certainly can be a bit more self-sustainable. They will, they love everything French made. So the food would come, whether it is animal protein, whether it is fruit, it's come from France, it's made in France. So it doesn't have these travel miles, um, whereas some processed food in the UK has come from Denmark um, and it's been shipped all the way over. It's got a lot more preservatives in it. Um, but, you know, it is, it, you know, it is down to, to us as well as, as people. You know, we are demanding, even in the UK, much much lower prices all the time and we're always going for what is the cheapest and the cheapest is not always what is what's going to be best for us um, unfortunately but I would agree with you these products which are deemed to be harmful by the World Health Organization or by some other governing body certainly do need to be addressed and should possibly carry some type of 
health warning or an extra tax um, or something, or even a VAT, uh, yeah, a VAT um, on these types of products. But I mean, it would take a very brave, very brave uh, government or health minister to uh, to actually try to implement something like this. But you know, the governments have got a problem of actually feeding the nation. You know. Um, uh, as well in the UK, there's 65 million people all eating three times a day. You know, it's a big job to get that food in the homes all the time. Yeah, and thinking about uh, new markets for you, where where are you focusing your attention uh, for uh, the remaining second half of this year and, and next year? Well, Hong Kong, China, without a doubt. Yeah, it is. It, it is, it's going so well for us at the moment. We are picking up so many new listings in restaurants all the time in Hong Kong. Um, we're going into more supermarkets in Hong Kong. Um, we have just launched in a supermarket in, in China. And if you look, there's 1.5 billion people there growing at an incredible rate. Um, it's a lot of people that are demanding a lot of animal protein. And if we can change that, um, along with others, then that, that, is, that is the goal, but that is, that is the new market. And we're doing, we're doing very well out there at the moment. Um, uh, certainly, you know, I mean, Europe is our, is our home, you know, the, the UK is our, is our lead country, followed by, followed by Germany um, in terms of sales. Um, and I think certainly um, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, China. And that's certainly where I would like to be uh, focusing a lot more time in the next 12, 24 months. I need to go out there more often. It's so complicated at the moment. You know, there's, you've got to do two weeks quarantine in a hotel, which I don't particularly fancy. So, yeah, it's, everything's been made so much slower at the moment. It's the most frustrating time for me as an entrepreneur to want to do things it is really really demoralizing when you just can't get out there and go and do all the things that you want to do because of the pandemic or the virus or not the virus the the the, the government's global response to the the virus is what's yeah, caused yeah. all of this um for good or for, or for bad it's it, it's not really I don't have yeah. an opinion on it really but it's it's incredibly frustrating for me um, when I'm so used to going out there growing and going to exhibitions and talking to people it's yeah. very very it's very and I'm sure for you know we're all in the same boat and I'm sure for other you know entrepreneurs also in my situation that like to get out there and sell and create new things I need that to do to keep me going to keep me to keep me living, being cooped up is the worst thing you can possibly do. It just just it just destroy me. So yeah. I'm I'm praying for an end to this. Yeah, you should look at this. I know it's been delayed, but there's Veggie World in Shanghai. They've got an exhibition coming up, and uh, partly organised by uh, the platform Beyond Animal. So I know they're doing you know virtual events and the physical event. I think they, it's been delayed till later this year. But yeah. That's a good one to attend if you're looking at exhibitions as well. So in terms of cellular agriculture or cultured meat, you know, there's lots of developments happening across the world. You know, it seems to be a good hub coming out of obviously 
Singapore and Israel companies who have also, you know, you mentioned most of meat earlier, but uh, also Eat Just has created a division now called Good Meat. What's your opinion on their developments and versus, you know, the plant-based route? Solar Ag was, I think, what probably first got me into this this game, which could be was promoted as the future of meat. So I did all my investigations into this. And for those in the UK, the University of Bath focus, they have a division on this and it's very worth reaching out to them, going to any of their, their seminars and, and their meetings, which I did. And it really is, um, it really is fascinating. But from very early on, I realized this is gonna be a long way off. The, the plan is just, sensational i can how it how it can be made is brilliant it's the scaling up of it which is going to cause these companies um the issues it will happen and i certainly hope it happens in my lifetime you know we were promised by 2020 we would have cellular agriculture on our plates i mean it's only i think someone's launched a piece of chicken um, in one restaurant, and and that's it. Um, they're raising an awful lot of money, but you know it's taken electric cars 50 years to get off the ground. I think cellular agriculture will happen. Um, it's going to take. It's just going to take a lot longer. Um, whereas, if I'm looking at what I've got now, the only thing that I have available to work with now is plant-based, and that's what I'm working on. And as an entrepreneur, I build a company. The company exists to gainfully employ people, give people a livelihood, and for the company to be successful, but also, and importantly, make a change in the world. Otherwise, there's no point doing a company that just damages the planet and, and harms people. So that was it's very important for me to do something that I have available now. I don't see cellular agriculture competing with plant-based anytime soon, basically because of scalability issues. Um, I am in contact with uh, a couple of companies and you know, they are developing various different mediums. Plant-based mediums are very important to grow the product in and they've, they've developed all of this. They have timeframes and they have plans and you know, they raise um, an awful lot of money to, get, to keep going and to, to keep them going. But I, for the for the sake of the planet, I hope it comes a whole lot sooner than 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 I think. In terms of competing with plant based, no, I I don't see that. I see, I mean, I unfortunately I think meat is is globally. I think in Europe it, it may have dropped off a percent, but globally, animal protein meat is continuing to grow. We see plant based adding on to that growth but still animal protein growing, unfortunately. And then we see cellular agriculture on top of that, taking a segment of that. And over time, make the animal protein curve slightly drops down because cellular ag and plant-based has taken even a bigger percentage. Um, but in, in 50 years time, 100 years time, it could be the main dish on, um, on our plates, uh, you know, cellular, cellular agriculture. Um, I don't really see it competing. Certainly, um, you know, and I had someone explain the process to me again, even though I know it completely. Um, 
you know, of how they originated from. Um, I would certainly try. I would certainly, I would have no problem eating cellular agriculture. Um, you know, some people who follow a, a vegan diet probably would have a problem with it because it reminds them too much. But it's, it's not about... Some people have got to remember it's not all about them. It is it is about the planet. And if they can switch to cellular agriculture as opposed to, you know, slaughtering, slaughtering a cow, then it's better for the planet. But there's one thing I want to mention because a lot of people don't understand. They think, oh, you just don't like cows being killed or you don't like animals being killed. Well, it's not it's not just about that, but you have to take on board the life cycle of how that meat has got to your plate. Because some people I ask and I say, oh, you're having a steak or you're having a burger. How long do you think is it taken for that burger to reach your plate? And sometimes they say three months or six months. But ultimately, you've got to go back right to the beginning of the insemination stage of where a cow is inseminated and it has to give birth and a cow is pregnant for the same time as a human, which is nine months. And in those nine months, it eats a lot, it drinks a lot, it craps a lot, obviously. All that's got to be dealt with. It needs care, it needs veterinary care, because just like us, they catch viruses and diseases. It needs shelter, electricity. It's very, very expensive. And the calf hasn't even been born yet. Okay, so already the, the, the bills are running up. The calf is born. Okay, it needs a lot of attention in labor. Once the calf is born, it's taken away from its mother. That's not, okay, that's not great. But then that cow is then reared and can take, depending on the breed, two years, maybe longer in which time it's eaten a lot, it's drunk a lot, it's cracked a lot, it's destroyed a lot. Two years, and then it is sent for slaughter and then processing. So all in all, you're looking at a three-year, almost a three-year lifespan to get that beef burger on a plate. Just think about that next time you eat a beef burger, the amount of resource and work it's taken to get you that beef burger, some beef burgers even longer because the cows, certainly the cheap beef burgers, the cows are old dairy cows, which have been giving dairy for eight, nine, 10 years. So it's even, it's even longer. But yeah, just think about that, the life cycle, how it's taken. And people don't, people don't think about that. People don't think how long it's taken to get that beef burger um, on, the, on, on the plate. And um, so it's not just about the killing and the slaughtering of the animals which we know is, is horrific anyway. It is about the life cycle. But when you talk about once the processing, I mean, you again, people don't think about the, the people who are working in these slaughterhouses and abattoirs and the, the post-traumatic stress that they suffer from, from having to slaughter animals day in, day out. Just imagine doing that one day yourself, working shifts, doing the day shift, doing the night shift, Every day there's more animals arriving and you've got to slit their throats. The blood goes everywhere, the smell, the screaming, the stench. These are people, these are human beings that we're putting in this situation to actually slaughter, you know, our fellow animals on, 
on, on our behalf. So it is just worth it is just worth considering. And you know, yes, I course they get paid, but you know, they don't they, they go home and I've I've spoken to a couple, they have um, you know, nightmares. They yeah. have very, very bad nightmares, you know, doing six day shifts and it's just day in, day out. And they they try and laugh about it with the other guys and you know then they go home and they shout, but you know, the the imagery will haunt these people forever and ever. They will never get the images out of their mind. And it yeah, they, they're faced with a lot of mental health issues that just doesn't just affect them, it affects their families as well, um, with them working in that in that environment. So yeah, it definitely needs to to stop and it's definitely a good way to see it that way from the you know the point of insemination to getting it to your plate you know being like three years compared to yours which would be you know two or three months i would imagine to to make your burgers right um yeah i think it's uh three to three to six months from seed to fork right okay uh, yeah yeah from 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 seed to fork but you know we're we're growing for the seed to the plant. Um, you know, the plants are, are harvested and then we, we make the product. Yeah. You know, another thing is protein. You know, protein all originally comes from plants. Oh, right. You know, when you're getting it from an animal, you're, you're getting it, you know, secondhand almost. Um, so, you know, the protein argument, you can get it from its original source, which is which is from plants, you know, if you want to. The thing about Moving Mountains is we don't, you know, we don't preach. We're here to say, you know, this is an alternative, you know, choose our products if you wish. We consider it's better for the planet for these and these and these reason, reasons, as I have um, outlined over this, over this podcast. Um, and this is the road that we're on. Um, we're more than happy for anyone that wants to join us and become a mountaineer um, yeah. <laughs> um, along along with us. Um, yeah. And you know, it's it's a great journey, and it's going to last. You know, it's going to last decades and decades. And um, we're really excited how um, how how uh, the, the shelves are going to look in many decades to come. Yeah. So thank you so much, Simeon, for coming on the show. And I wish you the best of luck uh, with your growth plans in the Far East as well, especially uh, getting that in, in the, the service halls and uh, restaurants and, and retailers across China and in uh, Hong Kong too. So yeah, really amazed about your growth story as well and how you've also managed to do this all by yourself and keep control of the company, which is fantastic. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Okay. See you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.